Tom Swarbrick on LBC. It's Friday, it's ten to six, which can and should only mean one thing. You can sit back, relax, and plug in to Simon Marks, American Week. Tom, this American Week was all about the bad, the mad, and the sad. Let's start with a young man who may soon be spending a substantial chunk of his life in jail. So we can see Sam Bankman Freed in a blue suit and a white shirt being walked to the vehicle. He is in handcuffs. He's been placed into the back seat of this blue Ford vehicle. A lot of questions need to be answered, whether it be from the National Security Minister, from the court system, from anyone who presided over what happened here today. Why was this man seemingly given preferential treatment? Eyewitness News in the Bahamas there with live coverage of Tuesday night's arrest of Sam Bankman-Fried, the disgraced CEO of collapsed cryptocurrency exchange FTX. The 30-year-old whiz kid of the crypto industry is now planning to fight extradition to the United States, where, as of this week, he's wanted on multiple charges of fraud, conspiracy and money laundering. He didn't appear to see his arrest coming, just hours earlier telling a crypto website that he was busy preparing testimony for a virtual appearance before Congress that was due to take place the next day. I have 22 pages right now of prep material. Um, much of which will probably end up being my, my written testimony. Um, I haven't started thinking about like trials or anything like that. I'm, there's going to be a time and place for that, but like I, right now I'm just focused on like what I can do to try and get value for users. When he says trying to get value for users, he really means trying to refund the $8 billion that on his watch vanished into thin air. He never got to deliver that congressional testimony. Within hours, a judge in the Bahamas was dismissing his efforts to stay out of jail, ruling that despite his claim to be a depressive vegan who is dependent on an array of medications, he is nonetheless a flight risk. Well, we've lost $8 billion right, of customer money. So, by definition, uh, I don't trust a single piece of paper in this organization. That is John Ray, the man installed to try and clean up the mess at FTX. And this may be one of those rare moments in which there's no need for any of us to understand the opaque minutiae of the crypto industry. He told Congress on Wednesday it's very clear what Mr. Bankman-Fried and his fellow 30-something executives had engaged in from their group house in the Bahamas. This is really old-fashioned embezzlement. This is just taking money from customers and using it for your own purpose. Not sophisticated at all. Bernie Madoff, to whom Mr. Bankman-Fried is being widely compared, sweated bullets to carry out his multi-year pyramid scheme. In Mr. Ray's telling, Mr. Bankman-Fried had it pretty easy, leaving investigators now to try and find FTX assets that may simply have been dragged and dropped into anonymous, hidden digital wallets. The question really is, are there wallets that we don't know about? Certainly that is the potential, because the way this company was organized, there may be wallets that don't have our names, we don't know where they are, and that's going to be you know, a difficult task ahead of us. It's like scouring a desert island for buried treasure without even Long John Silver's map. Among those in Congress who say they have now heard enough about crypto and the need for immediate regulation of it, Democrat Senator Elizabeth Warren. You know, the dark underbelly of crypto is its critical link 
to financing terrorism and human trafficking and drug dealing and helping rogue nations like North Korea and Iran. Crypto doesn't get a pass to help the world's worst criminals, no matter how many television ads they run or how many political contributions they make. And indeed, FTX made substantial political contributions to Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill. Lawmakers have questions to answer about why they've largely adopted a hands-off approach to an economic sector that is wilder than the Old West. Speaking of lawlessness, last night came fresh evidence that Twitter is no longer in safe hands. Twitter suspended the accounts of more than half a dozen journalists from CNN, The New York Times, The Washington Post and other outlets. The suspensions came without warning or explanation. MSNBC with the breaking news, the explanation became pretty apparent shortly thereafter. Among the reporters blocked from posting on Elon Musk's platform, Donny O'Sullivan of CNN. A number of uh, journalists at national uh, news outlets, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, and here at CNN, uh, have been permanently, it seems, suspended from Twitter. Now, all those journalists, uh, including myself, happen to be people who cover uh, Elon Musk. Now, shocking though it is to discover that Elon Musk's commitment to freedom of speech has its limits, it is nonetheless extraordinary to listen to his own explanation for his actions. At the end of a week in which he had relentlessly pursued a young Twitter user who tracks the movements of Musk's personal jet, he then went after the reporters who had covered his relentless pursuit of the young Twitter user who tracks the movements of his personal jet. Here is Musk speaking over Twitter last night. There is not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists, so-called journalists, and, and regular people. Everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. You're, you're just, you're, you're a Twitter you're a citizen. Um, so, uh, no special treatment. Especially if you're a so-called journalist. While the news industry continues to ponder how much longer it wants anything to do with Mr. Musk's platform, the latest developments are causing fresh consternation among the company's dwindling number of advertisers. Notable developments in Washington this week included President Biden signing bills safeguarding same-sex relationships into law, offering the LGBTQ community fresh protection against any Supreme Court onslaught that may follow. The president also welcomed more than 40 African leaders to Washington. The U.S. has a lot of catching up to do there after Russia and China cemented ties with African nations while America's back was turned during the Trump administration. It was the former president, though, who delivered the truly big news of the week. We were all told to stand by for a major announcement from Mar-a-Lago. What would it be? A rethink about his decision to run for the presidency? Perhaps the very early unveiling of a running mate or a joint appearance with Kanye West? Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington with an important announcement to make. With news you cannot make up and just in time for Christmas, I give you the former president of the United States. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump Digital Cards just like a baseball card or other collectibles. But wait, there's more. Each card comes with an automatic chance to win amazing prizes like dinner with me. I don't know if that's an amazing prize, but it's what we have. 
or golf with you and a group of your friends at one of my beautiful golf courses, and they are beautiful. I'm also doing Zoom calls, a one-on-one meeting, autographing memorabilia, and so much more. Almost makes you wonder where he'll find time to run for the presidency. Still, at least that's one Christmas present sorted. It's a trading card and dinner with him. I don't know if that's an amazing prize, but it's what we have. Except, Tom, first, I've got to find the crypto to pay for it. With his American Week, LBC's Simon Marks.